0: As always, my, my goal when I get up here is to hopefully present something to you from God's Word that's, that's first relevant to you, but also helpful when you talk to others about the things you find in God's Word. You know, there's many misunderstandings in the Bible for things like the end of days, teachings and revelation, existential threats that are linked to global ties, we hear a lot of these things presented and people talk about these things and they come back to the Bible and I'm afraid many of those things stem from a misunderstanding. That one misunderstanding that can settle all of this is the ability of dividing the covenants or the laws that we see. You know, the subject of, of the morning is no different. There's a certain number of political players that view the U.S. relationship with Israel as being something encouraged by various biblical events. And they think that, our, that having Israel as one of our allies somehow presents to us benefits and blessings in the current time. And furthermore, in my experience and in conversations with others in the congregation, there's a lot of individuals that believe the relationship is necessary for, you, for the U.S. to prosper and even exist. You know, my purpose is not to tear down that relationship for global diplomacy. That's not it at all. And I know there's a push right now in our society to do just that, to destroy that relationship that the U.S. has with Israel. But my purpose, rather, this morning is to see what the Bible actually says about these things, and more importantly, what the repercussions for you and I are if this is true. We begin this morning in Genesis 12 and verse three. back one's not working. Okay. We begin this morning in Genesis 12 and verse three, and it says, "I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be earth be blessed." You know this was a promise made to Abraham and later fulfilled through Christ. It wasn't anything meant to go beyond that. And many believe this is an ongoing promise and those who embrace Israel as a nation will in some way be blessed by God. But you know, is there any truth to that? As we look back in the Old Testament we understand the teachings that were given to Abraham and the the role he would play in that. And we understand there was always the foreshadowing of Christ coming to fulfill all of these different things. But somehow, some way, this is often tied to the idea that we have to have some sort of allied relationship with that nation to this day in order for us to prosper or even exist as a nation. Continuing in uh, Isaiah 62 and verse 1, it says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and to the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. Skipping down to uh, in 62 to verses 8 through 12, The Lord hath sworn by His right hand and by the arm of His strength, Surely I will no more give thy corn to be my meat for thine enemies. And the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine, for, that, for the which thou hast labored. But they that ga- have gathered it shall eat it, and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye, The way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up the standard for the people. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say, say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And thou shalt be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Here, many believe this passage teaches that the restoration of the Jews as God's people will lead to many blessings being given to those friends of Israel. To this day, this is what they believe. And again, that is not the intent of the passage. The intent intent was not that Jerusalem and its people would be restored, but rather that Jesus would fulfill the law of God's people as a whole, and we would not be forsaken. God had made a covenant with Israel But Israel eventually broke that covenant. In Isaiah 24 and verse 5 it says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. The children of Israel were not perfect people. And we talked about this the other night at a study. You know, we have a bias to think. When we read of God's people from the passages that we see, we have a bias that leans toward these people being somewhat of a perfect people. And they were not. They were not a perfect people. we go on to see in other places where dealing in the law takes from Christ's sacrifice, which saves us from our sins. In Galatians 2 and verse 21, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for it is righteousness. Come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. This passage teaches that if we're justified toward God by the law, then Christ's death was for no reason. For no reason. Because if the law could justify us, why did we need Christ? Of course we needed Christ for that forgiveness of our sins. In other verses, it explains it further. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 17, it says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, you are yet in your sins. You know, this tells us Christ wasn't raised from the dead. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then our faith is in vain and we're still in our sins. You see, the focus has always been on Christ, even under the old law. There was always a foreshadowing of Christ. And even under the old law, there was countless foreshadowing of his coming. Christ is why we have hope today. Not because of the law. Not because of some relationship with Israel. But because of our relationship with Christ. So if the Jews were subject to the law, but now we are subject to Christ, when exactly did this change take place? That is the big question. And it's a question we have to answer if we're going to answer to these things and say Israel is not, is not, doesn't play that role with us? Then we have to answer that question. In Colossians 2, verses 13 through 14, it says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which were contrary to us, and took it, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross." we see here that those ordinances or those laws that were under that old law ended at the cross. Christ's sacrifice now made it necessary for us to follow Christ. And the law that couldn't justify them in their sins was now we did have that justification through Christ's blood. You know, those referenced ordinances died when he did and were no longer the responsibility of God's people. So when we hear people referencing separating the laws or dividing the covenants, this is what they're referring to. At Christ's death, we were to follow Christ at that point, and the simplicity that is Christ in his salvation. You had that old law that the Jews lived under and the new law delivered by Christ. And the point that segregates the old from the new is the death of Christ. And you know, Brandon has an excellent lesson. he gives on dividing those two laws and I've been trying to get him to give it again so if you'll join me in that petition maybe we can get him up here for a second round it's been three or four years ago so I think it's time it was an excellent lesson on dividing those two and I think it's well worth the time to revisit that we see here many of you have seen this often we we talk about this and, and we center studies around this it's a timetable of the Bible the different ages that, that uh, people have lived under in their service to God. And we see in the first 2,500 years, it was in the patriarchal age, and God spoke through the heads of household, through Abraham, those types of things. And that, that lasted for about 2,500 years. And then the, the law was delivered to Moses at Mount Sinai, and God dealt through Moses and through the prophets. That age lasted about 1,500 years until we come to the cross. And now we live under the Christian age and it started at the cross, and no one knows when that will end. So on the left you have the creation, on the right you have the end of time, and what we have in the middle is what we're talking about here today. The mosaical age. And when people start trying to put that old law, when they study in Revelation, they don't understand how to divide those laws. They're trying to take this mosaical age and put it into the Christian age and try to make, un, make sense of these things, and it just doesn't fit. And the subject of the morning is no different. When people are looking at this thing and trying to think that we have some sort of relationship with Israel that has some sort of divine intervention with us, it's because we're trying to place an old law under a new time. The law, or the Mosaical Age, ended with Christ's death on the cross. And the law had been fulfilled with his death. References to the law and revelation were com- com- or comments made about a law that is no longer in effect. So why does any of this matter to us? Why are we taking time this morning to address this subject? I, told, I said from the beginning, we want to talk about things that are relative to us in our lives. Why is this important to us this morning? Why does it matter to you or I? Because if they are correct and the old law is currently in effect... You and I have a big problem, don't we? We've got sin in our lives that we've got to deal with. And how are we going to do that? You know, I'm not a Jew. You're most likely not a Jew. The old law was for the Jews. How are we going to rectify that? There are certain parts of the law that we just cannot abide by. We're responsible for some 645 laws And we don't have the wherewithal to perform our obligations, do we? Does anybody know a Levitical priest? We're going to need one of those to make the sacrifices. Does anybody know where the tabernacle is? We've got to have it for those priests to make those sacrifices within that tabernacle and to house the the Ark of the Covenant. We don't have those things, do we? Has everyone been keeping the feast days? Probably not. We don't have these things. We can't fulfill that old law. And so if we're under that law and we can't fulfill it, then we've got a huge problem between us and God. And that's why the subject of the morning is so important. You see, it quickly becomes evident that we can't keep the old law. And even if we could, we're back to Galatians 2 and 21, aren't we? If righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If we can be justified by the law, his death was in vain. You know, the good news is we're not subject to that old law. We're not. And praise be to God for that, because it was a difficult law to follow. But we have a new law, a law of simplicity, a law of grace and mercy with many benefits and blessings. That's what we have today. You know, the old law was not a law of convenience if you know anything about the law you know it wasn't convenient you know i remember moving up here came from lubbock had every convenience i could want within an eight block radius i had a hospital i had a gym i had a cleaners multiple restaurants a walmart coffee shop anything anybody could want and you come up here and it's a trade-off isn't it you trade for those, those things for some other things and it was the same here you know the law then wasn't convenient their entire lives revolved around serving that law it wasn't an easy thing to do we value the convenience we have in our lives and this law just was not convenient it was something that they were dedicated to it was something they were focused on it was something that they committed to let's read in Acts 11 verses 1 through 18, where it says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And then, when Peter was, came up to Jerusalem, they were of the circumcision, contended with him, saying, Thou wantest into, men uncircum, wantest into men uncircumcised, and just eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I was saw a vision. A certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners. And it came even to me, upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common." And this was done three times, and and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and were entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in the house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall with Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much went then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things they held their peace and glorified God saying then hath God also the gentiles then hath God also to the gentiles granted repentance unto life so peter comes to jerusalem and he's met by these other apostles as well as some jews and he comes there and peter saw it coming it says in the in the early in the verse that he rehearsed it he knew they were going to ask about this situation he had gone to the gentiles and taught gentiles the word of God for salvation. It was something that had never been done. The law was always for the Jews. It was never for the Gentiles. But now he comes upon this, and as he prayed, he fell into this vision. You know, I can't explain the vision. Don't know a lot about the vision. We won't get bogged down by that. But it had a, a sheet that came down, gathered at the four corners, and it had beasts and fowl and all these types of things in it. And he heard the voice say, Slay and eat. Now this is obviously... A, a reference to the old law when they talk about eating things that are unclean and things that are common but the voice told him what I have cleansed call thou not common and as he came out of that trance he found these three men that said hey you're supposed to go over here and talk to this guy and they, when, they re, when they arrived at this guy's house he says I was told to call for men of, of Joppa and he came here and this was also, obviously a Gentile He was not a Jew. And this is the first example we have of these things being taught to the Gentiles. Now why is that important to us? We're not Jews. We would have been Gentiles. That opened the door for you and I. It gave us that opportunity for salvation. So what really happened was Peter uh, told them it was God's will to reach the Gentiles. And this is the point where those teachings begin for the Gentiles. And there was now one people rather than jo- uh, the Jews versus the Gentiles. You know, these Jews were stung by this. They were basically told, you know, the world no longer revolves around you everything that had been taught in the past, the law was for the Jews, God's people were the Jews, everything was for the Jews. And now they're being told, hey, this isn't just for you. Everyone has access to this. Everyone can be led to salvation. You know, that'd be kind of hard to take for some people, wouldn't it? To think that they were the center of all of this attention and now every common person had access to it. But what did they do? They glorified God. They glorified God in this. And this was the first time that the Gentiles ever had hope or were ever included in anything pertaining to God. But some of the Jews weren't so positive about this news. In Acts 14 and, uh, verses 1 through 7 it says, And it came to pass that I, in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue and the Jews and so spake that a multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, in part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, They were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia and unto the region that lieth round about and and there they preached the gospel. Many of these Jews weren't having it. They weren't going to accept this. And they poisoned the minds of those around them and in verse 4 it says the multitude of the city was divided. They were divided on this issue. They didn't want that door opened to these others. But this didn't stop the spread of the gospel, did it? It says they went to various cities and preached. They didn't stop. They continued on. In Acts 14 and verse 27 it says, And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. As they preached, they told all God had done for them and how the Gentiles now had access to the same salvation as the Jews imagine how this must have sounded to the Gentiles? I'm sure some of them didn't even believe it. They probably didn't believe it. It was just something that was so foreign to them to think that they would be a part of that. Imagine feeling looked down on your entire life by a group of people and now you're told you can be a part of their group and an heir to their inheritance. That would be a foreign thought for you, an idea that was just unheard of. And you go down the road many years, and suddenly there's a change, and you can become a part of God's people. Imagine that. Imagine obeying the gospel you've just heard taught and realizing how lost you'd actually been. And now that door was open to you. In Acts 26, verses 20 through 23, but showed first unto the demons at Damascus and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and into the Gentiles. Then they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Such a great message with so much hope by the Jews, sought by the Jew, so much hope, yet the Jews still sought to kill him for spreading that message. And he said, I haven't said anything the prophets and Moses didn't say was already coming. It was foreshadowed. They knew that there would be a coming of Christ. They didn't totally understand what that was, they didn't totally understand who that would be. But he says, I haven't taught you anything that Moses didn't say. That the prophets didn't say. These things were always coming. And this is just the fulfillment of those things. Romans 3 and verse 29 says. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes. Of the Gentiles also. Is it not good news that we can be partakers of the gospel? Before it would have been off limits to us. Under that old law we wouldn't have had access to it. Remember that thing you were struggling with and prayed to God about in the last week, in the last month, whatever it was? Remember the peace that you had afterward through that prayer to God? Imagine you didn't have that option. Remember when you were strapped with the sins of your life and you obeyed the gospel? Remember the peace you experienced in reconciling that with God for those things? You didn't have access to that. You had to live with that. Imagine you didn't have that option. But now, he is our God and our Christ and our Savior. We have access to that at this point. And it didn't come overnight. You know, the many people that lived through the, those times that, and the examples we read in the Bible, they struggled with those things. To get to the point where we are today. And when we hear people try and apply things from the old law at the present time, remember this. Remember this. If the world is subject to the old law, then we are lost and without hope. That is the bottom line. And that's why this is such an important subject. And something that we should spend some time on. And understand when we hear these comments made... When we hear these discussions, what are the ramifications for us if these things are true? The ramifications are we're lost. I don't believe that this morning. I think we've showed where that's not true. I think we've showed where that change took place. I think we've shown where Christ's death made a new way for each of us. Made a way for us to rectify those sins in our lives. Made a way for us to do and be pleasing In God's sight. And that's what's important. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. It says for by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink. Into one spirit. There is no divisions on this subject. All people are equal in this area. All people have access. They may not have at one time. But they do now. And that is to our advantage. We can accept that gift of Christ's blood if we just obey that gospel. And remember in Ephesians 4, it talked about one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one Father of all. It's all the same here. There are no exclusions for those who have been taught and wish to obey that gospel. And that's why this subject is so important. It's so important that we understand these things. And we don't get caught up in all these different things. You know, in the last few days, heard a lot of a lot of chatter on these subjects. Well, the book of Revelation is coming true. We've got plagues. We've got riots. We've got all these different things. And certainly we do. We do have those things. But by coincidence, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a foreshadowing of COVID 19 from the Old Testament. And we need to understand that. The old law had its place and it was fulfilled. And praise be to God that Christ's blood on the cross saved us from our sins. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ Wheeler Area.